Connected by purpose, driven by passion. This is Children's Healthcare Canada's Spark Conversations podcast series. Welcome to Spark Conversations, Children's Healthcare Canada's monthly podcast series. At the crossroads of children's healthcare, system improvement and leadership, Spark Conversations is a solution-focused podcast that connects the child health community with system leaders who tackle wicked problems and discuss ideas to inform the development of innovative and integrated systems serving children and youth. Spark Conversations is one component of the newly refreshed Spark Knowledge Mobilization Program. Spark is the shared platform for research, advocacy, and knowledge. I'm Paula Robeson, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with Dr. I.L. Cohen, who co-founded the Complex Care Program in the Division of Pediatric Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children, where he's Program Head of Child Health Evaluative Sciences in the Research Institute. Dr. Cohen is a Professor of Pediatrics and Co-Director of the Leong Centre for Healthy Children at the University of Toronto, with cross-appointments in the Institute of Health Policy, Management, and Evaluation. Today, we're chatting about a timely topic, health system governance for children, especially those with medical complexity and other chronic conditions. Hello, Dr. Cohen. Welcome to Spark Conversations. It's a pleasure to be here today, Paula. As you know, Children's Healthcare Canada's strategic priorities include informing the development of innovative and integrated health systems and advocating to improve children's health and health systems. As well, children with medical complexity is one of our priority populations. Due to its federated nature, Canada doesn't have a national structure for the governance of child health or health care. Joined-up governance, or a whole-of-government approach, has been touted as an important tool in tackling wicked problems in children's health and health care. Dr. Cohen, what is joined-up governance? So joined-up governance is a term that is used to denote an aspiration of coordinated thinking and action. It's actually a term that's been around for quite a while. It was often used in the United Kingdom by the Blair government in the 1990s uh, for their policy platforms. Essentially, it is based on the view that public policy goals cannot be met through the separate activities of existing organizations, nor really can they be delivered by grouping several departments under a common agency. The idea of joined up governance or whole of government approaches is to really align agency activities with particular goals, coordinating activities across organizational boundaries without removing the boundaries themselves. Why is joined up governance of interest to you? So, Paul, I spent a good chunk of my career working with colleagues to develop service delivery models for children and youth with medical complexity, children who, by definition, need care by many, many different people in many different places over a long period of time. In early iterations of the models that I was involved in developing with my colleagues, we created services within the silos of our own organization. So to give an example, I work at SickKids, a large children's hospital in Toronto. Our first iteration of a complex care program was an inpatient model focused on care coordination for the children who saw many specialists who were frequently admitted to hospital, who had very high service needs. And then when we conducted an evaluation of the model, we found that although it was very successful in integrating care within our, subs- within our own hospital, uh, our patients, the families and healthcare providers in, in the whole continuum of care told us that we didn't do an optimal job at improving outcomes after they left hospital. Fumbles inevitably happened during transitions and we didn't provide enough resources and supports 
for families in the community. So over the years, iteratively, we created a series of partnerships with primary care providers, with community hospitals, with children's treatment centers, and of course with families uh, and youth themselves to build a better model of care. And all of this was facilitated when my excellent colleague, Charlotte Moore, uh, who was working at the time in government, created a provincial agency in Ontario dedicated to maternal and child health that helped push this integrated care approach forward via a strategy uh, that was called Complex Care Kids Ontario. And the whole idea of this was to ensure that the right people were at the table to develop and implement these models of care, that we can make the best use of scarce resources and that real synergies were created by bringing different stakeholders together to develop a collaborative network and ultimately to par partner with our patients and families to build something that would make care way more seamless and less fragmented. Why should it be of interest to Children's Healthcare Canada members and other child health stakeholders in Canada? So excellent question. Uh, I think at the end of the day, most of the most challenging issues in child healthcare are what we call wicked policy problems because they really sit at the interface of health and social policy and don't fit neatly into a single sector or a single ministry for a province or territory. Healthcare, public health, education, social services, justice, housing. We see this in so many areas. I mentioned complex care because that's uh, the field that's near and dear to my heart. But it's also true in developmental services and mental health and, and even more so in issues that we've seen that have emerged during the pandemic. So to give an example, let's take developmental services, say for autism or for fetal alcohol syndrome. Screening for such services can fall under public health. Diagnosis often falls under a completely different system, the medical system. And then treatment and supports can often be delivered by another ministry and sometimes only until a certain age when responsibility is then passed on to the educational sector. And underpinning all of this is a need to address the prevention of many of these issues from arising in the first place, which often requires a lens focused on the social determinants of health. And this is so incredibly frustrating for children and families who have to nav navigate the labyrinth of services, funding and supports for kids. And the pandemic, I think, has laid this out even more starkly. As we enter September today, uh, or the second day of September today, there's so much attention now being put on keeping children safe in schools from transmission of the Noahville coronavirus. But up until the pandemic, nobody ever gave serious attention to infection prevention and control practices in school settings. And as we've seen, risk in schools is not created equally. Depending on which community schools are located in, risk of COVID can vary dramatically, necessitating very different supports for different schools. So all of a sudden, people with expertise in infection control need to rapidly learn how to work with people with expertise in education, people with expertise in how to address health equity, and people who can meaningfully engage with communities to help develop and implement policy in real time. So that's where a concept like joined up governance can help. How do we create structures and processes to ensure that our authorities work together with non-governmental actors to coordinate policy activity? Sometimes this is called integrated governance or whole of government approaches, but essentially it's all the same idea. We have to think about how to deliberately set up a system to ensure that all relevant actors can work together on the pressing initiatives that are necessary to improve the well-being of children. Ayal, who's implicated in joined up governance? Just governments or non-governmental players as well? 
Yeah, absolutely not. It doesn't have to be uh, just government. Um, often it's led by government because we're talking about policy development um, uh, as a key component of this. But really the key to all of this is to have all the relevant folks at the table. I, I, this concept can even be applied at a regional or even organizational level. It doesn't necessarily just have to be at the level of you know, federal or provincial governments. So to just give a simple example, a hospital may be trying to manage chronic overcrowding in its emergency department, but it can't really meaningfully address that problem without engaging downstream inpatient flow amongst admitted patients in other departments within that organization, within the hospital, or upstream in ensuring equitable access to high quality primary care in the community that it serves. So that's just like an example from an organization. The most successful health policy work that I've ever been involved in has always been that in which all the stakeholders are present, including government funders, policymakers, researchers, clinicians, parents, and youth. It's hard to do. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not coming here today to talk about something that's simple to do, but without those structures in place, it's, all, it, you know, it, it's very challenging to create meaningful change. And, and the benefits of having all the voices and perspectives at the table is immeasurable. It's interesting. As a knowledge broker, this issue speaks to me. It, it seems to be about connecting and facilitating of understanding of so many different perspectives, each with their own worldview, language, and processes. Are there examples of successful joined-up governance approaches in Canada or internationally? Any in the children's healthcare more specifically? So there's quite a few examples, both in Canada and internationally, but I'd like to, if it's okay, highlight one. So in Manitoba, um, there was a uh, something called Healthy Child Manitoba that has been studied in some detail by a health policy researcher named Celine Cressman. Healthy Child Manitoba was established in 2000 uh, through a legislative cabinet committee in Manitoba. And what they did there was rather than creating a brand new ministry dedicated to children, what Healthy, Man Healthy Child Manitoba did was it created a committee comprising of 10 ministers who represented all the key ministries, health, education, Aboriginal Northern Affairs, housing, labor and immigration, etc. Really the whole spectrum. And Healthy Child Manitoba had a pretty large role to support and implement evidence-based policymaking with a specific focus on the early child years. They also partnered with an excellent organization called the Manitoba Center for Health Policy, which houses important population data to help conduct research that really informed policy. In Dr. Cressman's research, she interviewed people who participated in this, in this program, and they were effusive in praise uh, about the initiative. I'd like to read out a quote. Uh, Ministers can talk to each other and hopefully develop policies that are intersectorial and reminds them that it's not just their department and budget. So what Dr. Cressman then did, she contrasted Manitoba's experience with what Ontario did at the time, which was to create a completely new ministry in 2003 called the Ministry of Children and Youth Services, which despite having a fairly similar vision, struggled at times to define what was and wasn't in its scope. So to give the example of autism, which I alluded to before, where it delivered all the services, but the assessments were then funded by the Ministry of Health. This led to many frustrations that continue to exist within the system. And what are the key features of effective joined up governance and what must be considered when implementing this approach to the integration of systems of care? So coming back, Paula, to the uh, Manitoba compared with Ontario example, I think it's important to avoid the pitfall of trying to put all children's policy in a centralized place, even if it might create an illusion 
of control or, or focus. Uh, one researcher named Christopher Pollitt um, from Rotterdam uh, wrote extensively about uh, this concept. He summarized four key goals that are essential to effective joined up governance. So the first one is the idea that you have to eliminate uh, all contradictions and tensions between policies. And that is such a common issue. So I'm going to use an example from complex care. If the goal is to ensure families are empowered to care for their children with complex care needs at home, um, you know, and one of the players in development of policy is the hospital sector, uh, sometimes something like a long length of stay within a hospital may be necessary to prepare them for this. And this can be problematic if the hospital sector is hyper-focused on trying to shorten length of stay within their, their organizations. A second, a second principle is it's really important to make better use of scarce resources. So again, I'll give an example uh, from the educational sector. So school buildings often sit empty in the summer because they serve few needs in the summer for the educational sector, for school boards and for educators. But perhaps they can be used by other community agencies or for other community activities, uh, saving the need to find other facilities um, to have those happen. The third principle is that of creating synergies by bringing together different stakeholders. And I think this point is critical, as I noted in the example from complex care. And lastly, it has to create seamless rather than fragmented access to services. Uh, to give an example from, from Ottawa, in Ottawa, they recently created an integrated child health team involving over 60 organizations, youth, families, and others. That's called Kids Come First. Uh, the Kids Come First um, health team, one of the things that they've had as a major focus is on the notion of facilitating access, particularly for child and youth mental health and addiction services, using something called onecalloneclick.ca. So again, without bringing all these people together in, in, a, in a productive way, it's impossible to create these uh, really important seamless access systems for services. Are there pitfalls to join up governance in child health systems? What advice do you have for us to avoid them? Yeah, so you, you just brought it up perfectly, Paula. It is very challenging to bring everyone together. And I, I think it's fair to say it's also a bit fatuous to imagine that simply redeveloping structures will solve all of you know the wicked problems in child health. We have sometimes a tendency in healthcare policy to continually reshuffle the decks of our structures. I like to call it lumping and splitting. We build new structures combining old dysfunctional ones together or even functional ones together. Then they get big and inefficient. So someone comes along and pulls them apart and you're back where you started. So I'm not advocating for complete system redesign, just for developing structures to facilitate bringing these silos together, particularly when the goal is to address these wicked problems in child health. I don't think uh, joined up governance is needed for everything in child health and for all places. Certainly, uh, many policy issues are actually best addressed within silos and may be operationalized quite differently in jurisdictions of different sizes. Just for these really, really challenging and complex ones, I really don't see any other approaches that can really address the structural and cultural barriers that exist to, to effective change. What's the role of organizations like Children's Healthcare Canada in advocating for and implementing joined-up governance? So I think Children's Healthcare Canada does a lot of this already. You've created tables that help bring people together to accelerate innovation, build partnerships, create networks and hubs, and, and elevating the interest of children and youth in, in Canadian health policy. I've seen it with my own eyes in complex care. 
Sadly, though, you know, the example I gave from Manitoba, the Healthy Child Manitoba um, initiative has been uh, dissolved by their current provincial government. And I think that's really unfortunate. And I actually don't think got enough media play. Um, I think that anything an organization like CHC can do to champion evidence-based approaches to policymaking is so helpful. Children need a voice. And uh, there are a few organizations like CHC that can influence the system in a way that really meaningfully ensures that their voice is, is heard. Thank you, Ayal. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Stay safe and be well. Thank you very much, Paul. It's been a pleasure as well. Thanks for having me. To stay up to date on all of our Spark offerings, including upcoming podcast episodes, visit our website at childrenshealthcarecanada.ca and subscribe to our Spark News bi-weekly e-bulletin if you haven't already. Thanks for listening to Spark Conversations. And before we go, show some love for your new podcast series by leaving us a review and then join us again next month. Thank you. Thank you.